one. Now say something. Hello. Does it work? Hello. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <coughs> okay. Oh yeah, this is a much better angle. Good. Should I do vertical or horizontal? What's easier for Instagram? Probably vertical. Yeah, I did the wide shot on the last one. That's okay. Okay. We are just free balling this one. It's okay. Should we change clothes so it looks like <laughs> Put a scarf on. <laughs> I changed my hair. Oh, I didn't change mine. Um, okay. So, yeah. Today we're talking about something that I am very passionate about because I'm definitely an all or nothing person and I have to fight this mentality. But today we want to talk about what is health in every domain? What mm -hmm. is it actually? Not what society tells us health is. Um, and so we're going to kind of expound on that a little bit and give our input. But yeah. um, first I, I want to ask you, like, what do you think health is and where do you think our society has like completely taken a U-turn from that and tells us this is what health is. Yeah. Um, I think health is having a balance mm -hmm. between a lot of different things, to be honest. Um, I think society has turned being healthy into something that's purely physical. Mm -hmm. And that could be, I have to work out, I have to follow this certain diet, I have to do all of these things, and that's truly health. When in reality, there's a lot of other aspects. There's a spiritual component. There's a mental component. Um, and I can speak a lot about this from personal experience of taking things to an extreme, like yeah. physically speaking, uh, in to where that has almost consumed every thought, every action is purely a physical goal. And I can tell you how that transpires into a spiritual side and a relational side with other people. And I want to definitely expound on that if you're okay with it. Because I'll, yeah. I'll give my experience too because I've experienced that too. Yeah. yeah. Is, like we were talking about earlier, you can start to mistreat your friends, your family. Mm -hmm. Because now your utmost goal is to attain this perfection, whether it be in a sport, a body composition. And so everything else almost becomes a hindrance, mm. right? So those relationships, though the time, like both being Christians, like time in the word, time in prayer, my mind was always, but I should be here mm. working towards a physical goal. And so where society tends to push people is true health is looking a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, when in reality, I know there's a whole nother movement now where you can be healthy at every size and, and whatnot, but I think there is a, definitely a physical component. I don't want people to hear me say that, yeah. but, but there's also the other two. And I think there has to be a balance between all three. Yeah. And before I give my input, what did you say earlier about, okay, you're chasing this really extreme idea of health and how you look or how you perform in a sport. And let's say you get it. Are you happy? Right, so you spend all this time working towards something or you have this one problem area and you, you know, do all of these measures and finally maybe you don't have any of this anymore, right? Because that's what everyone points at. Yeah. Um, but then you're not happy. There's another goal that you have or you finally reach this perfect body composition and it's like, okay, that's it. Like something new pops up. Something new pops up for sure. And so I think that people just spend all of their time so focused on this 
and then they either get there or maybe they don't get there, but in that pursuit, they have sacrificed a lot of other really important components of their life to Mm -hmm. attain something that for most people, you have to sacrifice a lot. And when you sacrifice that, you realize it's not worth it. Absolutely. And both of our faith informs a lot of our mindset around this. But where I have landed over years of doing it the wrong way and years of learning from my mistakes and overcompensating and overcorrecting and then having to, to just find a really healthy balance, where I have settled and what I believe is true is that as humans created in the image of God, we are a combination of a spirit and a body. If we were just just the physical, we'd be an animal, you know, without yeah. a spirit. We'd be a chicken or running around, you know. And then if we were just, <laughs> if we were just the spirit or the soul, we would be an angel without mm-hmm. a body, right? So the the what makes us human is our our, nat- our nature in the physical and the spiritual and, and and the combination of those. So if if that's my starting point of what I believe a human being is, then their health of my spirit and my body, they have to be balanced. Mm-hmm. And if one is skewed so high that it's taking from the other, then I am not healthy. My net might be ze- might be a negative, right? right? So, and, and I'll just give, I'll kind of start with some personal examples, but you and I both are really, we, we were really into CrossFit at one point and it competitive CrossFit is tough because you're working out, you know, four to six hours a day. You're trying to eat all the right foods, all the right macronutrients to be the best that you possibly can. And there's this constant fear of I'm not doing enough or I'm not eating well enough or, oh, I went out and drank alcohol with my friend one night. I've ruined my workout the next day. So, and I'm talking from personal experience. What would happen is when I got so obsessed with doing things perfectly from a physical standpoint, I have to get my workout in at this time, this time, this time, then I, I am tempted to skip my quiet time in the morning. And I would a lot. Mm-hmm. Now I've prioritized my physical goal over something that is really, really important for me in my day to day, spending time with God, whatever time that might be. And then I would get frustrated if I had to miss a workout, I would take it out on Sean, my husband, and I would be a very cranky, not fun person to be around. And I still struggle with this. I'm not saying I've arrived, but what I came to realize is that, oh, wow, missing out on something that, that I'm obsessing over physically is now hurting my my spirit man Mm -hmm. and it's hurting the people i love the relationships the only thing that we can take on this earth with us when we we die we know that our body is wasting away that Mm -hmm. that we are moving towards death not to be morbid but that doesn't mean we're not supposed to take care of our physical bodies but i firmly believe that that our spiritual health and our emotional health will always trump the physical body and so what can we do to steward our physical body well to to better our spirit, man, and become the best version of ourselves as a mom, as a dad, as a sibling, as a wife, as a husband, whatever. I think that they support each other, but you have to just keep in line which one is the ultimate, like the most important one. So I got on a big tangent there, but my view of my view of health is that, is that, yeah. okay, if one is way 
to prioritize and you have no regard for the body and you're, you know, reading and studying all day, that's great. But then your, your body is completely, right. you can't even move around. Then yeah, you've skewed it too far. Same for the physical. You can overdo it. So yes. that's my take on it. Yeah. And I would totally agree with that. It's, and it's kind of probably ebb and flow with different seasons of life. And like you said, if you completely disregard the physical body and don't do all of these things that society deems as healthy, then you won't be able to show up for the people you love. Absolutely. You can't do the things that you love. So there is kind of a fine line that may shift depending on where you're at in life. But yes, I think both are 100% necessary and are so intertwined that sometimes we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going off of that, okay, what is health? What are some ways that we can maybe shift our mindset to balancing both and saying like, okay, I can be okay with the fact that maybe I didn't get a workout in today um, because, you know, the baby was crying and I was up all night or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, let's kind of just talk through together some practical strategies of how we can maybe shift away from the just over obsessing over the physical and what culture tells us is a successful day. Yeah. And it's it's hard because you never know who's listening. Yeah. So yeah. I think we both come from the mindset of we will, and I can speak because I know you're the same way. We will always err towards the side of being overly disciplined mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the sense of like with workouts and nutrition. And so there, I know there are people that also have that. So for us, a little bit more leniency yes. in the plan is probably what we need. And then there are going to be people on this side. That's a great point. Who are lenient to almost a fault where now they have an excuse for every time why they shouldn't do something. They need structure. So they need a little bit more structure. So I want both people to take away maybe something a little bit different. And yeah. if you are someone who you get two hours of sleep, you didn't have time to eat dinner, and you're fighting a sickness, but you're like, I need to get to the gym. Like... <laughs> Maybe a day off is what you need. Mm -hmm. And for the person who, you know, had a little bit of a stressful day at work, got great sleep and ate every meal, but then just, I just want to go home, you might need a little bit more of a plan. So Mm -hmm. it's finding out what your tendency is, being honest with yourself. A coach can help too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. What is my tendency? And whatever it is, having some type of plan does help. I have found that having a plan helps. Now, do you live and die by your plan? No. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have room to swing if life happens. But you need some type of a framework to to live your days by. Absolutely. Or else every little situation is going to cause you to be all scattered. So Mm -hmm. coming back to, like, if you are a person who works out, maybe you have planned to go to the gym. That doesn't happen because daycare gets canceled. So now you're at home with your child. Mm Mm-hmm. What's a workout you can do at home? If you go to a gym, you know that there are body weight exercises you can do anywhere. So you don't have to have a whole home gym setup. Can you do 50 squats, 50 push-ups, 50 lunges, and then take your kids on a 10-minute walk? Yeah. That's awesome. Like, yeah. That is doable. So finding ways to maybe have your plan, but also leave room for if life happens and be able to make an adjustment. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to set yourself up for success because I can self-sabotage so quickly. And if, if I 
know myself and I know that if I don't get my workout in before noon, the chances of me working out are going to decrease dramatically mm -hmm. because most of my meetings are in the <laughs> afternoon. I'm going to get progressively more tired as I go throughout the day. There's just more wear and tear from just emotional fatigue, talking to people. And, mm -hmm. and then my, my desire to work out and the chances of it happening are far less. So I have learned after many missed days of working out because I waited and I put it off that if that I need to set myself up for success and plan to do it early. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to your comment about framework is, okay, your husband, for example, he works out at night. That works great for him, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like 8 p.m. Yes, yes, yes. So he knows he's more likely to get it done then. Mm -hmm. I am not <coughs> like that. If I wait till 8, I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. Right. And so starting out, helping, having a coach help you figure out maybe what will be the easiest to adhere to, right? Mm -hmm. um, starting there and then actually structuring your day around it. Um, and then segueing off of this, I do want to talk a little bit about hard and fast rules around nutrition and how yeah. um, to pursue a, a really balanced uh, level of health, how we have to kind of abolish some of those, this is the only way you can be healthy. Um, and yeah. let's kind of talk about, talk about that, but then how we can create a framework around what works best for you to set yeah. you up for success. And I think what you said about working out is so true for nutrition. Like if you know we're both people who are going to work out in the mornings, then I'm going to plan time in the mornings for that to happen. Now it might be in a gym. It might be a quick at home workout, but I know that the morning time is when that's the most likely where I will get my workout in. Like today, for example. Yeah. Like, we, sorry to interrupt you. I'm no, it's okay. Right. But like we literally would not, we're in town visiting Gina and Garrett. And like, I know we would not have worked out this afternoon if we had not woken up and said, okay, let's just go ahead and walk out to your home gym and do it real quick. And now we feel great. Yeah. We're, we don't have it hanging over our head. Right. So, and so, and it's not wrong if you want to do it at night. It's, right. It's just, this is what we prefer. Absolutely. So just like you're going to maybe structure your day around your workout time ish in a roundabout way, <laughs> your meals, the same thing, like having a framework, you're going to structure your meals, maybe around protein. If you know, that's the hardest thing for you to get in or vegetables. If you struggle with that is it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's saying, okay, I know that my tendency is to maybe skip out on the protein or I'm not prepared. So you plan your days around the protein at your meals, just yes. like you plan your day around your workout in the morning, afternoon, or evening. Absolutely. And I, I think we can kind of spitball some of these hard and fast rules and make a, a, some comments on them real quick. But a common one I hear is, okay, you know, I never eat past 7 p.m. I'm doing really good because I never mm -hmm. eat past 7. Okay, what happens when you have a work party or, or, or your client stays late and you get home at seven and you haven't had dinner yet. So that hard and fast rule is now completely going to ruin your next day mm -hmm. because you have, you've said, I can't eat past seven knowing you haven't had enough calories in general that day. You haven't, you're not even close to your protein goal. So you opt to just skip. And then now the next day you're going to wake up starving. You're going to be ravenous. You've now created this cycle of downward, a downward trajectory because you just stuck to this hard and fast rule that actually makes no sense. Right. right? Where did that come from? People tell me all the time I'm doing great. Cause I didn't eat the kitchens closed at seven. Like your body doesn't magically put on fat at seven 30, as opposed to if you ate at six. Right. Right. So being okay with, all right, maybe it's helpful for you to close the kitchen at seven for 80% of the time. Right. But knowing that that is not why you're healthy, it's okay. The whole day, the whole week, how that made me successful in my other health habits, mm -hmm. 
or jeopardize me in my other health habits. Right. So um, coming home from that work, that later work day and being like, okay, I can still have dinner outside of my normal hour. This yeah. is not the norm. It's not usually what works best for me, but that's totally fine because mm-hmm. my, my day was different than normal. So that's a common one I hear. Yeah. That's a and, hard and fast one. <laughs> yeah. And I hear a lot of like the opposite of not, not eating, but it's in the morning. Like I, I'm skipping breakfast. Like I do my hot, my really hard workout in the morning and then I don't eat until noon. Mm-hmm. And Again, I'm not dissing any specific diets out there, Mm -hmm. but we were just talking about like, you don't, you're not a a perfect body size and competition because you're doing these things. Like your body weight is determined by your calories. If you're in a calorie deficit, you will lose weight. If it's from broccoli or brownies, Mm -hmm. you will lose weight. And so people start to think these rules are why they're losing weight. I'm not eating after seven. I'm skipping breakfast. I'm not eating sugar. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's a big one for me is mm-hmm. I'm not eating any sugar. So you ask someone to eat a banana and they're astonished. And it's, so just coming back to these food rules, it's like these rules don't make you magically lose weight. Right. Being in a calorie deficit does. Right. And sometimes these rules get you in a deficit. Yes. But then at some point you can't do it forever. And that's what, what happens with these rules that are so strict is you do it for your two months and then it's like I feel miserable and terrible Mm -hmm. I can't continue doing this so then you stop so and and I've had a lot of clients tell me uh, coming off of keto or intermittent fasting again I'm not saying that these are bad but um I had one client who who lost a ton of weight on keto she was very successful with it and we had an honest conversation about how she feels like she will never lose weight outside of the keto approach. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, that makes total sense because the only time you've ever lost weight, it was when you completely took carbs out. But that was just a fancy way of you creating a calorie deficit. Right. Right. So you have to understand that. It was not the magic of taking carbs out. For someone who's done intermittent fasting for a long time and had a lot of success with their eating window being you know, 12 to 6, That's the way that they found to be most successful in a calorie deficit up until this point in their life. Mm -hmm. So they're going to psychologically have this predisposition towards intermittent fasting and be wary of adding in breakfast and eating like a normal human, thinking that that won't work. When in reality, you can absolutely create the same calorie deficit eating in a normal way with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks. So... So I think we're just conditioned with the, the first approach that's ever worked for us. We're conditioned to thinking that that's the only way we can mm-hmm. ever create a calorie deficit again. When in reality, the objective truth yeah. is that the, the only, the way you lose weight is just a calorie deficit. It's However, you're successful deficit. with it. Yes. <laughs> so. But the companies who sell you these products can now market that because then they wouldn't make money. Right. And we have to always remember what people's underlying, these companies underlying motive is, and it's to sell a product. That's how yeah. they're making money. The keto cereals and brands and Octavia and all of these things. Octavia's food's not different than their protein bars, not different than special case protein Mm -hmm. bar. But what happens is people think that they can only lose weight eating these specific foods and diets, but it's because now they're eating less calories. Absolutely. So So it's just a fancy like mind, mind trick. So, um, and it, and it's harder to do it the way that we coach people to teach people how to manage three meals a day with maybe two snacks in between 
maybe without even tracking. If someone wants to get off of, of tracking right. and figure out how to do that sustainably and still create a, enough of a calorie deficit to, over the course of their life, keep the weight off, then that's hard because you're, you're adding in the psychological, you're adding in mm-hmm. the, just the food awareness piece. Yeah. It, it's very difficult to teach. It takes a lot more time. It absolutely can be done, but it would be so much easier for me to give people a list of rules and say, okay, here's the, our protein bar that you have to eat. And this is how, how much of our breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you order this big box that we ship to you. This is all you can eat for the rest of your life. If not, you're going to gain all the way back and then we'll see right. you again next year. Yeah. That's so easy. Yeah. Like, it's so easy to write a meal plan. Right. Like, like that doesn't help people though. That doesn't help people because, and I think you would agree, but the goal that I have with clients is I want them to come up with a plan. I would like to help them come up with a plan, but I don't want to be like, okay, Ellie, starting tomorrow, you're going to increase your water intake. You're going to add in breakfast. We're going to eat a vegetable at lunch. You're going to bed at seven o'clock. Your phone's going in the kitchen. You can't look at it. You're going to work out at five. No, I'm not. I don't want to do that. I want to hear what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. I want to sit down with someone. I really want to know what they're doing now. And then from there, you figure out what's going to work from them. Yeah. Because it's going to look a little bit different for everyone because no one is starting at the same spot and no one wants the same destination, right? It's all it's all relative to that person. And so I want to talk with someone and figure out where they want to get to. And then I want to come up with a plan together to yeah. help get them there without them feeling like that process is going to, number one, consume every single thought they have. Number two, be absolutely horrible and they hate the process. Yeah. And so if we can successfully come up with something where they can now enjoy life, they can go to their Christmas party, they can go out to eat with their friends, they can go to the wedding, and they can tell me, I was able to enjoy some foods there that I don't normally have. I didn't feel guilty. I did not overeat. And yeah. I was able to maintain my weight. That is a win. I would rather any day someone text me that than absolutely, you know, hey, I lost five pounds this week. I would I be like, we did something wrong if we lost five pounds in a week, right? Or like my backers were perfect for two weeks. Yeah, you know? like I think. I mean, that's great if if it just happens to be that way. But I I I also think there's something to say about seasons and you know having this seasonal approach of. Okay, maybe November and December, we just know with the structure of life and how much people travel and all the holiday parties and and maybe hours out of the day that are taken out of your workout time if you have a small window. We know that those two months, you can still do a great job of stewarding your health, but it may not be the best it's ever been, mm-hmm. right? And actually, the first step is being okay with that and doing the best with with what you can with what you have, mm-hmm. right? But then I think there's something to be said with, you know, a, kind of a seasonal approach. And I had a lot of my clients who we Thanksgiving week, they were out of town and they did the best they could. Most of them had no access to a gym. They walked. We had we had a goal to you know get out and move in some capacity. And for most people, it was a walk. Right. The meals, they didn't get as much protein as they would normally if they had control over every meal, but they still prioritized it. But when they come back. They have the, most of them had a really strong desire to get back into their normal routine of, I love the way I feel at home when I can control my portion sizes and I can Mm -hmm. actually do a legitimate workout and drink X amount of water and all of those things maybe slid a little bit Thanksgiving week. So I don't give them a list of these, all the things that you have to do this week. But I think that 
at a time like that coming off of a more lenient week, there's a lot to be said about picking maybe one or two things that you can really recalibrate on. Like, okay, really making sure that I'm eating a fist-sized portion of, of a lean protein rather than just doing my best when I have yeah. no control over my meals. So maybe picking one thing that's very realistic that you know will have a positive impact on mm-hmm. all your other health habits, there's a time and place for that. And maybe it, like something we talked about earlier, if I haven't tracked my macros or my calories in a year and I've gotten really good with intuitive eating and figuring out about how much I need at each meal and eyeballing it, it's really easy for me to lose sight of how much two tablespoons of peanut butter is. You know, I can, I can measure it out for a month when I'm adhering to macros and calorie tracking. And for the next three months after that, I can have a really good idea of what those two tablespoons looks like without weighing. But maybe a year goes by and I've really lost sight of how to eyeball two tablespoons of peanut butter. So there's something to be said about pulling the scale back out and just recalibrating your awareness, mm-hmm. not being obsessive, but saying, oh, well, that was actually four tablespoons that I've been eyeballing. It just grows, you know? So I think, I think there's something to be said for that seasonal approach. Um, and, and kind of just allowing yourself to just look at it from an awareness perspective rather than a restriction. Right. And I think with anything, like you said, it is a seasonal thing. It's definitely a tool. Like Mm -hmm. it is a tool that you weighing and measuring food is definitely a tool. I don't think it's a diet. I, mm-hmm. I mean, no. I know there's if it fits your macros and and that is it feels diety at times, but to me, it is simply just a tool to know, okay, am I in a deficit? Am I in a maintenance phase or in a surplus? Because mm-hmm. there's really only three states you can be in. Mm-hmm. You're losing weight, you're staying the same or you're gaining. Mm-hmm. And so, when you weigh and measure your food, it's just a tool to know where you are at. Yeah. And so, I don't like to use it as this is a really diety approach. No, this is just a measurement. So we know a metric, so to say, that you can use. And honestly, once you do this for a couple months, you probably could put it away and you would know what you're eating Mm -hmm. because you are so in tune with what those amounts are. And like you said, there may be after a year, you're like, oh shoot, that peanut butter has doubled in Mm -hmm. size. And it's important to kind of pull it back out and to see where we're at. But it really is just a tool to set you up for success in the long run. Absolutely. Like if I'm if I am trying to do a 30 minute zone two heart rate piece and I really want to try to keep my heart rate between 130 and 150 beats per minute. I can for a long time, I could go out there and just estimate and and go by feel, but every now and then I want to look down at my heart rate and just kind of make sure I'm in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to stare at it the whole time and freak out if I drop below 130. It's just a nice little tool to know. Yeah. Confirmation, like, I'm kind of where I need to be. Yep. And I can go out there without my heart rate watch and get a great workout. But then mm-hmm. every now and then I need to kind of look to see what zone two feels like. Right. You know, and same way with tracking. Yeah. It's a it's just an awareness thing. Yep. So um, that was really good. I think, I think the goal of this podcast is really just, okay, how can we establish more of a flexible mindset around what health is? without beating ourselves up all the time because we feel like we're not adhering to these completely arbitrary rules that right. fit into different diets. Yep. And then we feel like we need to do all of them and it's exhausting. I yeah. I would hate being healthy if I if I made myself follow all of those. I would hate it. Yes. The, and the point of being healthy is feeling good. <laughs> it's feeling good and it's enjoying what you're doing. Like, right. It doesn't have to be this terrible thing. And and I, I wanted to say, you can definitely lose weight even if you're not tracking. Like, you do not have to track. But it is just like, 
for thinking about your bank account. Yeah. Like, you can still save money if you're not budgeting. Uh-huh. But it sure makes it easier if you have a budget that you're following, right? So Margin. there, you can still see success without doing the food scale and all of that. Mm-hmm. But it just is, again, that tool to help ensure that you're really staying within those parameters to help you go where you want to. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to lose, maintain, or gain. And, again, that's going to be different for everyone. Yeah, and it's, and I think I'll, I'll end with this, but one, one way that I really like to look at it is creating margin for yourself, like you said, with the budget. I I love my routine at home of most of my meals being something that I, I can control, at least breakfast and lunch. And I feel really, and I, I know I'm going to feel really good after that meal. But knowing that we were going to come visit y'all this weekend, and I, I don't know if we're going to eat out or not, but knowing that I built up margin for myself, not hoarding calories by any means, but I love the way I felt all week, eating the way I'm used to eating. And if we want to go out, and enjoy a meal, I there's no guilt around that, no. right? Because I know for a majority of the time, I'm eating according to my goals, and I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Mm-hmm. I love my, I love the food I get to eat. It's tasty. It's amazing. Makes me feel good, sleep good, mm-hmm. work out well. But because I have that general structure in my life, I know on a whim if I'm traveling down and I want to have an awesome meal with someone at an Italian restaurant. I can do it, mm-hmm. and it's not going to throw anything yeah. off. And I think that's a way that you can live your life without without feeling like you're missing out. Mm-hmm. It's it, part of the balance. I it mean, absolutely is, and like building margin, like being yeah. wise with your budget, mm-hmm. so that when a purchase comes along that that's a bigger purchase that you really want to make, and that something that that is a responsible is a responsible it's worth purchase. It to you. It's worth right. it to you. It's worth it, but you're not breaking the bank because you spend money without having a budget right. for your entire You've life. You've accounted for it. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that's a really good analogy. Um, so anything else you want to say? I think I'm good. Okay, that was a good one. Yeah. Good job, Jeans. I love it. That one was great. I got a little passionate. We could just every, um, 